The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. The theme of listening is in the backdrop of all of our readings this weekend at Mass. Educators and those involved in pedagogy tell us some interesting things about listening. 85% of what we have learned in life happens through listening instead of talking or reading. But 75% of our time, we are distracted, preoccupied, or forgetful. After listening to somebody speak and talk, we can immediately recall about 50% of what the person said. I'm fully aware of this as I'm speaking in front of you here today, <laughs> of that fact. If we don't like the subject matter, we remember less than 50% as well. One hour later, so at 12.30 or so, we remember less than 20% of what the person said from what we heard. We listen at 125 to 250 words per minute. That's our natural human capacity for listening. But we think at 1,000 to 3,000 words per minute. That's quite the discrepancy there. Another interesting fact, and I believe it's true, that only 2% of our population has had any formal education in attentive listening, in how to listen. But think of how many hours at school we have about grammar lessons, speaking properly, and writing in comparison to the hours spent learning on how to listen well. It seems to be just a, a human weakness that we are all vulnerable to in comparison to our capacity for talking and reading and speech. But yet listening is so important. Sometimes just by being listened to is all somebody, a person needs to help with the rest of the day. We know how powerful it can be. 
Today's gospel, James and John could have been reprimanded easily by Jesus for not listening, not even getting the 20% an hour later of what Jesus had said. Because if we had our Bibles open and we look at the chapter and the verses in Mark 10, just before this passage here, Jesus for the third time announced his upcoming passion, death, and resurrection. And in this third announcement of his passion, death, and resurrection, he's the most descriptive as well. He tells the apostles that he will be scourged at the pillar, he will be flogged, people will spit towards him and his direction, he will be killed, and on the third day he will rise again. This is the third time he's taken the disciples aside and mentioned it to them. And James and John, who are part of like Jesus' leadership team with St. Peter, the three of them who are at the Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured on Mount Tabor, the three of them will be with him in the agony in the garden in the Mount of Olives. There are three of them now, two out of the three, James and John, go up to Jesus, and after he's made this third announcement of his passion and death and resurrection, they come up to him with this question. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Jesus might have said, okay, fellas, obviously you were not listening here to what I just said. Could you imagine going up to one of your grade school teachers or high school teachers, especially the older folks here maybe, and saying, teacher, I want you to do for me whatever I ask of you. What kind of answer we would have gotten? Probably not in our favor. Jesus, though, is a very gentle teacher, very comprehending of our human situation and our questioning. And he says to them, what is it you want me to do for you? What is it you want me to do for you? the Lord of life, creator of the universe, saying, okay, James and John, I'm laying it out on the line. What is it you want? Make your wish. And they tell him that they want a human glory, worldly glory and success and ambition. They want that in this kingdom that Jesus is going to start and inaugurate, they're still thinking in earthly terms here, that he's going to have kind of the best, most powerful empire and government known to humanity in all history. And they want a part of it. They want to be seated at the left hand and at his right hand at his throne in this glorious kingdom. Jesus corrects them, not by saying their ambition is bad, but transforming it to see what kind of true greatness that he desires from his followers, what true ambition and greatness is all about. It's not about popularity, wealth, and reputation, and a majestic and strong, powerful earthly kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It is on the cross where he is glorified. And true greatness, true ambition comes from service. Jesus reminds them, whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. It's when we serve God and serve others with the love that God has poured forth in our hearts that ambition has a proper direction and purpose, that true greatness is brought about in the world. And Jesus reminds them that this kingdom is very different and it will involve them taking up their cross daily and following him. They will be, if it's the Father's will, at his right hand and left, but that is only after picking up their cross each day, denying themselves and following the Lord. If this temptation to kind of earthly glory and strong majestic power here in this world was a temptation for the very early church with the apostles James and John, it's been a temptation all throughout our church history with us as believers from top to bottom to seek the worldly ambition and success without having a heart of service for others. We can just think of the last 70, 80 years and the failures and scandals in the church, 
from the abuse scandals to the residential schools to financial scandals, and how the church sought to protect prestige and reputation and to keep face and to appear that everything was all well instead of simply following the gospel of service that Jesus reminds us of and reaching out to those in need and taking care of those placed in our care and making the changes necessary. And whenever these failures and scandals come about, it's as if Jesus is telling us, are we listening? Are we listening to his heart and to his will and what he's called us to? Are we falling into false conceptions of greatness, of reputation, of glory, which are not of his own? So what do we do about this? Listening is a weakness in our humanity. It's a weakness in the church. What's the solution? Well, we're being given, beginning this weekend, a golden opportunity, a grace-filled opportunity by the Holy Spirit in our church throughout the world. This weekend launches at the local level of the parishes and dioceses throughout the Catholic Church in the world, a two-year process leading up in 2023 to the 16th Assembly of the Synod of Bishops. Now, a synod is a gathering like a council in the church that happens periodically to address certain situations and themes to help us serve the world and bring the world closer to Jesus Christ with the power of the gospel message of his service. The word synod is just simply two Greek words, synhodos, which means on the way with, or walking on the same road, accompanying others together. We've had synods in the Acts of the Apostles about should we follow the Jewish dietary laws at the time, chapter 15 of the Acts of the Apostles called a synod of the church leadership to discuss that topic. We've had synods on marriage and family life, on youth ministry and vocations, on the church in Europe, the church in Latin America. There's been specific themes all throughout history. And we've had 16 of these since 1965 with the closure of the Second Vatican Council. The council seeking to once again give us new zeal and courage in bringing the faith to people in our modern world. Now this synod is a bit different though. The theme is ensuring that everybody in the church, the people of God, in the pews, in leadership positions, and in all walks of life have a chance to be listened to. The title of this synod is Participation, Communion, and Mission. And for the next year and a half, we'll have a chance of the people of God, of the Catholic Church, in our part of the country, in our part of the world, to have a chance to give our feedback, the witness of our faith, share our concerns and questions, so that it'll be brought forth for the Synod of Bishops in 2003 when they gather with Pope Francis. This has never been done before. People are calling it the largest survey undertaken in world history. When you're dealing with a billion people as part of the Catholic Church throughout the world, with all different circumstances and backgrounds and cultures and concerns, we'll be bringing those forward. And at the local level, per continent, in a year's time, will be continental conferences to pray together and to discuss those concerns and hopes and desires per continent. This is new now as a second stage. Usually it would be just national conferences. Canada would have their own, the United States. But now North America will gather, South America, don't worry, there's none in the Antarctica. Instead of the uh, seventh conference being there, it'll be for the Eastern Catholic Churches, the Chaldean Catholic Church, the Maronite Rite of the Catholic Church, the Ukrainian Catholics, they will gather for their own gathering as well. Here are some of the excerpts from the speech that Pope Francis gave 
outlining the vision for this, this participation of all of God's people to bring their questions, their sharing of their faith and testimony to the church at large. The Synod is meant to listen to the questions, concerns, and hopes of every church, people, and nation. Let us ask ourselves in the coming years, in the church, are we good at listening? How good is the hearing of our heart? Do we allow people to express themselves to us, to walk in faith, even though they have had difficulties in life, and to be part of the life of our faith community without being hindered, rejected, or judged? This synod is not so much about organizing events or theorizing about problems at conferences. It is about taking time to encounter the Lord again and to encounter one another. We need time to devote to prayer and adoration. This prayer that we neglect so much to adore, to make room for adoration, and listening to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to the Church. Now, this Synod on Participation, Communion, and Mission is not about changing the Bible or changing Church teachings or anything like that. The Church's mission, which is the mission of Jesus, is to reconcile the world to God, to bring the world in union and in friendship with God. And so we have the gifts of God's truth and His love that He's given to us, but many times we don't know what the needs of the people are to best reconcile and bring God's love into their life and allow the presence of Jesus and His gospel to transform them. So I believe we're given a grace-filled opportunity in the next couple of years with the Synod. We'll have ways and information that you'll be able to participate in as the weeks and months unfold. It may look like just more work right now for us, but I think it's a real grace-filled opportunity that's being given to the Church of new beginnings, of a new way of listening, to place ourselves at the feet of Jesus and allow Him to speak to us anew before the 1,000 or 3,000 words per minute start going through our brain. We can be at the feet of the Lord and allow him to speak grace and truth to our hearts once again.